that those land on us, Lord, in a unique way. Pray tonight, as always, in the name of Jesus, that all the junk that we go through during the week at school and other jobs and families and just the trials, Lord, would all just sit outside for a second. That tonight we would come in here and we'd meet, quiet our hearts, we would do what scripture says, draw near to you that you might draw near to us. Quiet our hearts before the throne of grace, quiet our hearts before our Savior. And just listen, as Tierra said earlier, Lord, for what you have to teach us tonight. I pray that the students and adults in this room don't even hear my voice tonight, Lord. But the Holy Spirit of God would touch each person in here, no matter where they're at, that you'd meet us where we need met because every one of us are coming from a different spot, Lord. Help us where we need help because we've cried, we've called upon your name. Just pray that we would receive the help that you would have for us and that provision would be enough. And I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts tonight and that we would have a deep, deep heartfelt desire because of what we just sang about, how great you are, good God Almighty, and how you, death was arrested, Lord, because of what you've done on the cross and the empty tomb. And then that last song we sang, thank you, Jesus, for the blood that's applied to our hearts for the forgiveness of our sin. As I talk tonight, Lord, I pray that your, your Holy Spirit would touch our hearts in such a way that this would matter and it would strengthen us, maybe change us, maybe help us, maybe save us for the first time tonight, Lord, where we would have an encounter with, us, with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Father, I just lift this time up to you. Pray that we would feel your presence here and that your protection would be over us and that the power of your Holy Spirit would move about this room. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a seat, everyone. Welcome to Inside Out. It's nice to see you guys this Wednesday night. I know I tell you guys this a lot, but uh, I was just talking to the leaders a little bit ago. And um, I, don't, I hope this is okay. I don't think I'm the only one in the room that's gonna deal with this. Is it okay if I have a challenging day once in a while? <laughs> I know I'm the pastor and I'm not supposed to be the one who gets kind of discouraged, but today I was kind of discouraged, to be honest with you. It's been a pretty rough day, um, last couple of days. Nothing major, just nothing that's life-changing, but just kind of discouraged in my heart, if I will, okay? But I am telling you, you guys, I'm so grateful that God allows me to do what I do and get to come in here and share and preach and teach God's word every Wednesday night, so thanks for showing up. Because <laughs> I walked in a little discouraged, sang those songs, hung around with you guys, and my whole day's changed. Because my, my perspective's changed. Does that make sense? The perspective that we have makes a lot of difference, you guys. And I know every week, especially when we come here, time changes, dark outside, you guys have got homework, everybody's busy. I am very grateful that you guys make this a priority in your lives. And I know each leader in this room is the same way. So thank you for making the Lord a priority in your lives. It means a lot to us, okay? So what we're gonna do tonight is I'm gonna get into the meat of this in just a minute, but what I wanna do is do a quick review. The last, five, this is week five of Battle Ready. This is the longest series I've ever done as a youth pastor. Five weeks is a long time, but I really felt like God had laid this whole series on my heart way back when, back in September when we started all this, okay? Um, but tonight what I wanna do is quick review and then get into what I'm gonna be talking about tonight. So a quick review is, remember what we talked about, Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. Let me look it up real quick so I can say it right as I give you, because this has been the theme of our, um, kind of the series that we've been going through. This is the theme that we've been going through, okay? That we've been working through. So in the Bible, it teaches us this. For those of you that were not around at the beginning of this, in today's world, it seems like we have a whole lot of horizontal fights family, school, and looking at the world. There's war everywhere, it seems like, anymore. And to be you guys' age has got to be very discouraging sometimes and a little bit scary, if I was just to be honest with you. For those of us that have been around a little longer, we get used to the rhythms and the patterns of what people are going through in the world. 
But this is kind of what God laid on my heart to begin with in this series is who do we fight against? If we're gonna be battle ready and we're ready for the battle, we need to know who our enemy is, right? So in Ephesians chapter six, verse 12, it says, for our struggles are not against flesh and blood. In other words, this, horizontally, we're not each other's enemies. Everything is spiritually charged in this, on this side of heaven, and I believe that with all my heart. We have a free will, we make choices, but the spiritually charged world that we live in, we do not, listen, we do not fight against flesh and blood. I've lost count of the times where married couples will come into my office and dispute, and the first thing I do is I have them look at each other and say, you're not my enemy. It's a spiritual battle that rages around us. So it says our, our, our struggles, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So that means this in a long nutshell. We don't fight with each other. Seems that way, and sometimes it is real that way, but our battle is in the heavenly realms, if you will. Not in heaven, but in the heavenly realms with the devil and his demons. That's who we fight against, you guys. Everything in this world has to do with spiritually charged stuff. And that's what this series was all about. So the very first week, we covered who our enemy is, Satan. We talked about how Satan works and the things that you're doing. And if you guys wanna go back and listen to those, they're all on podcast through Spotify. You can get back in there and listen to all these messages. The second week, we, had, we titled it Suit Up. We talked about the full armor of God and how we put on the full armor of God. That's how we fight. If we're in a spiritual battle, we have to learn to fight spiritually. We have a spiritual enemy that we're fighting against. We need to do it spiritually, not physically. The third week, we talked about prayer. We talked about what it looks like to be in continual prayer, to constant prayer, talking to God throughout our day. Why? Because the devil never takes a break. So we shouldn't take a break. We should always be seeking God's face, drawn near to him so when the enemy ambushes us, we've got that on our side. And last week we talked about the escape plan. How, how in the, I think it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13, if I remember the scripture, talks about how when we're tempted, we're not tempted unusually, everybody's gone through the same temptations we have, but God is what? Faithful. God is always faithful to show you a way out of the temptation. Remember what we talked about last week. When you're being tempted, we shouldn't be surprised that we're being tempted because we're gonna be tempted forever until we get to heaven. So don't be shocked. It's like, oh man, I'm so discouraged because more temptation's coming. No, don't be discouraged. No, God is faithful to show you a way out. Here's what I want you guys to get. If you didn't catch last week's message, I want you to look to the one who provides the way out. Don't look for the way out of temptation because as I'm staring at my temptation, I'm thinking, I gotta get out of here. This isn't good. I shouldn't be here. We'll talk some more about this tonight. I shouldn't be here. I gotta go. So I'm focused on my temptation, trying to figure out the way out of temptation when I know God's faithful to do it. But here's the deal. Look for God. If I try to find God in my temptation, remember, thoughts, Christ. Take every thought captive and make it obedient unto the Lord, right? So that thought of that temptation comes because it always starts in my mind. Temptation will always start in your mind. And the very first week when we learned about the devil is I have a free will. And I do not have to receive the lies that the devil is telling me in my brain. And when that temptation comes up and I look at it and I'm like, oh man, I gotta get out of here. I know this isn't good. My heart rate picks up. Whatever that is that you're going through, I want you to not look for the way out. I want you to look for the one who provides the way out. Why is that so important? Because then my eyes are constantly fixed on the author and the finisher of my faith. And he always is faithful to show me a way out. So what I've done, turn from my temptation and I'm looking for the one who's gonna provide the way out. I've turned from that and put my eyes on God and you'll have victory over temptation that way. This week what I wanna talk about, I'm gonna tell you guys a little bit of a story. 
I don't know everybody real well in the room tonight. Some of you are just <laughs> trying to get used to me a little bit, okay? But I want you to know what I'm about to share with you is historical fact, it's truth. And it's out of the book of Luke, okay? So even if you're in this room tonight and you're not sold out on this Jesus idea, I want you to realize something. What I'm about to tell you is true. These are true experiences, they're historical experience that actually happened. The book of Luke is what we're gonna be looking at tonight, chapter 22, okay? It's in your bulletin, we'll turn to that in a minute. Luke is a historian, he's a physician, but he is a, he is a historian who writes the book of Luke to one person, Theophilus. So I want you to see this one guy reading what we're gonna cover tonight. I wanna to see Theophilus sitting here going through this book going, really, this is what happened? And Luke is a historian, so I can confidently state tonight, whether you're spiritual, whether you're a Christian, whether you're not a Christian, what I'm about to share with you actually happened. Okay, so this is not a fable. I'm not making this up. The Bible that you can go back in history on, on books and writers outside of the Jewish faith and look at this and find out that this is actually truth, okay? Here's the deal. 2,000 years ago, the night of Passover, Jesus is having his last supper with his disciples. You guys have all seen the pictures, right? The, the picture of the last supper. They're all laying there. They kind of recline on each other, this kind of thing, right? And Jesus is, gets up and washes everybody's feet. Judas goes out of the room to go betray Jesus. And then they all get up after singing to him and having the, having the Passover meal. They start down across the Kidron Valley. And as they're going down across the Kidron Valley, heading to the Garden of Gethsemane, they're walking along, and this has always struck me, and it's, just comes to mind, so I'll share it. The Kidron Valley would have been the valley they went to from where they had their Passover meal down through the Kidron Valley over to the Garden of Gethsemane. History says that the Kidron Valley is where the blood would have flowed from all the Passover lambs that had been slaughtered during a Passover week. So all that blood would have been going along here. And I think to myself what, he, what Jesus had to be thinking because Jesus knew what he was walking into. He just washed everybody's feet that were gonna betray him, deny him, walk away from him, run for him, and he's going down and they're heading to the garden to Gethsemane. This is the last night before Christ is on the cross that we just sang about. And he had to go down through that valley, across that little stream, that river of blood, of hundreds and thousands of animals being sacrificed during the Passover week. They get over to the garden to Gethsemane and they get settled in and, and he tells his disciples, I'm gonna go out and pray. Peter, James, and John, history says, went with him. And when Jesus went out to pray, he told the disciples, and I'll cover some more of this in a little bit, watch and pray uh, so you don't fall into temptation. Watch and pray so you will not fall into, fall into temptation. Do you hear that? How do I stay out of temptation, Dan? I watch and I pray. I watch for the enemy's ways and I pray like crazy that God's gonna help me through it. The disciples, Peter, James, and John, they're tired and they fall asleep. Peter goes over, or Jesus goes over, and it says, the book of Luke and all the gospels say that Jesus was so, under such stress that night, when he was praying in the garden of Gethsemane, right before he was gonna be arrested, he was sweating what was like drops of blood. And here's the, now think about this, I love the Christian life. Here's Jesus praying, getting ready to go to the cross, and what are the disciples doing? They're having a nap. They can't stay awake. Jesus comes back over and says, come on. Then pretty quick, all the temple guards show up and everybody shows up to arrest Jesus. G Judas comes up, betrays him with a, with a kiss and they arrest Jesus and take him off. Now, back up the bus just a little bit. On the way from the Passover meal to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples about how the Son of Man, that being Jesus, is gonna die. He's gonna be handed over to the enemy. He's gonna die on a cross. He's gonna be sacrificed. And Peter says this. No, Lord, I'm not gonna let that happen. I'm ready to go to prison with you, and I'm even ready to die with you. 
Now you guys think about this. This is within less than 12 hours what I'm about to show you on a video where Peter says, no, Lord, that's never gonna happen. I'm not gonna let that happen. I'll go to prison with you and I'll even die with you. I'll die for you. And all the other disciples are like, yeah, 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 me too. Oh, uh-huh, me too. Yeah, that's it. So all these guys that are saying this, walking across the Kidron Valley to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus just got arrested and he tells Peter on the way over there, when Peter says that, he says, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Now think about your life, you guys. He says, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows, Peter. Peter's like, uh-uh, I got this. Come in here on Wednesday night. I ain't doing this anymore. I'm a Christian. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not gonna deny the Lord anymore in my sin. Peter tells Jesus that. Jesus forewarns Peter three times you're gonna deny me before the rooster crows in the morning. Evening at Passover, morning when the sun comes up, I wanna give you guys a depiction of what this looks like out of the movie The Passion of the Christ. Watch this movie. In this movie, what's happened is Jesus has been arrested. He's standing before, in his false trials, he's done nothing wrong, but in his false trials, he's standing before the Sanhedrin, who are the Pharisees, and they're getting him to say that he is God. He is the great I am, which he's saying, I am God. That's what he's telling these guys. And then you'll see that, and then you'll see Judas lingering in the background, and then you'll see Peter come into play, and when this is done, we'll cover some stuff after that. What I want to cover tonight is, what do we do to avoid doing that? I wanted to play that video for you guys because it strikes me that a lot of times when we're at church, in youth group, having conversations, I couldn't even imagine, like the look on Peter's face, I couldn't even imagine doing what he did. I couldn't even imagine falling into sin, looking at pornography, gossiping, doing whatever it is that I'm doing again. I can't even imagine, because here's what happened to me. For my personal testimony, when I gave my life to Christ, I didn't know anything about the Bible. A lot of you guys know that. I knew nothing. I mean nothing. I didn't know what John 3.16 even meant. But I believed that Jesus could change my heart. So I prayed. He did. I got up. I'm a new creation. And as I read my Bible, I started to realize what God had done, the extent that he went to, to give me, a sinner, an opportunity to be redeemed back into a relationship with him. And then I figured out what Christ had done on the cross and the punishment, the scourging, the torture, when he's on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The, the Trinity snapped, the Father turning away from the Son, Jesus knowing what hell is like by being completely separated from God. That changed me forever, I'll be very honest with you, I've never went back into sin. By God's grace, I never have because it so impacted me because I realized for who has been, him who has been forgiven much, loves much. I don't care how good of kid you are in this room. You can be the most wonderful person who never falls into sin, but you still need a savior. And what you see in that video right there is exactly what Jesus Christ did for you as well as he did me. So what I wanna do is I wanna look at this thing and what it looks like to how do we avoid backsliding because backsliding isn't always knee deep in sin. Backsliding is this, Richard Taylor puts it this way, backsliding refers to, to any degree of loss of commitment, fervor, spiritual priority or testimony with apostasy as its final consequence if incorrected. In other words, you'll walk away from God. So I don't want you guys to think tonight, well I'm not in sin, Dan, I want you guys to think about this though. Is it something that you've quieted your heart? Is there a loss of commitment in your heart? Are you lacking fervor? Spiritual priorities have changed in your life. These are all signs of you backsliding the wrong direction. You're hanging onto a ski slope on the snow and you're sliding down the wrong way and you're doing your best to dig your fingers in and it's not working. 
So backsliding is not always being knee deep in sin. It is just a matter of your heart. A.W. Tozer says this about Peter. He says, he appeared to be a combination of, I love this, courage and cowardness, reverence and disrespect, self-devotion and dangerous self-love. Only Peter could solemnly swear that he would never desert Christ and then turn right around and deny him the first time he got in a tight place. Peter was an amazing disciple, but he was human and he was a man and he was up and down in his Christianity all the time. I don't want that for you guys. So what I want to look at tonight for the next few minutes is how do we avoid being like Peter? How can we avoid when we know Jesus is telling me not to do something and I'm like, yeah, whatever, it's okay. Or I'm in here on a Wednesday night and I'm, I'm ready to charge hell with a water pistol by the time I get out of here and then Thursday afternoon by noon, I'm right back into denying him, by the way, I'm behaving, the language I'm using, the girls I'm looking at, the guys I'm talking about, whatever that is. Does that make sense to you guys? So how do we avoid this? Get out your bulletins. If you do not have a bulletin, I really want you to take one of these tonight. I really want you to take the time to read over this when you get home. Look at me. If Peter fell into backsliding, what makes you think you're not going to? Peter is one of the pillars of the Christian experience. And Peter fell. What makes you think that you're good enough to where you're not going to? I want you guys to study this stuff, please, because my desire is for you to never experience, again, what Peter talked about here. The very first thing that we look at is what we're going to avoid. Five things we're going to avoid. The first thing is self-confidence and pride. I'm going to bust through these pretty quick so you guys can get to your small group. So Jesus warned Peter about what was going to happen to him. Look at me. He warned him. He told him hours before he did this and Peter just forgot here's what I know you ready I love you guys you ready I love you guys and I know this most of you don't remember what I talked about by the time you hit your car in the parking lot and you really forget by the time you clear the parking lot I get that and it's okay that's where these come into play because even Peter forgot hours later having a conversation with Christ himself here's what I know though this is the great news you ready for great news Peter didn't have what we have you know what Peter didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God living in his heart. That universally happened in Acts chapter two when the, the Holy Spirit of God is given to every believer. So listen, we have no excuse, no excuse for falling into sin. We have the power of God that resides in my heart, the Bible says. God says, I'm not giving you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. Peter didn't have that yet. He did later on, but not, not when this happened. He was with Jesus, and you would think walking with the Lord, smelling his breath, the smell of his clothes, watching how he walked. Was he pigeon-toed? Was he, what, is, what was he like? They walked with him for three years. Three years, and like that, Peter did exactly what Jesus told him he was gonna do, and he didn't stop doing it. Here's the deal. The Holy Spirit of God, in John chapter 14, 26, says this. The Holy Spirit of God will remind you of all the things Jesus has taught you. So you would think Peter into the first denial would go, oh wait, I remember Jesus telling me that, I'm not doing this anymore, wouldn't you? But he didn't, did he? But we have the Holy Spirit of God that will remind us of everything Jesus has taught us. Peter's self-confidence and pride blinded him to the vulnerability of his sin. I believe this has helped me. I know I can sin. I am one choice away from becoming a backsliding sinner. Still might be a Christian, 
but I'm definitely heading in the wrong direction. I've not lost my Christianity when I do that, but I'm heading away from Christ, not towards Christ. That is the one thing I've always had going for me is I know I'm a man and I'm one choice away. Look at me, look at me, look at me, gentlemen. I am a man and I am one choice away from making a decision that is gonna put me on a path that takes me away from the cross. And God help me, I never wanna do that. Does that make sense to you guys? Ladies, it's no different for you. We are one choice away. I don't lose my Christianity, but it takes me in a different trajectory. I don't wanna do that, you guys. I don't want that to happen in my life. I always put this down, it says, in. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful you don't fall. That's the Apostle Paul warning us. We can't walk around haughty and prideful thinking, yeah, I'm doing pretty good in my Christianity right now. And I know some of you in here have had that conversation with yourself, and you know exactly what happens not long after that. You fall, and you get yourself into trouble. I, I, always, I always put it this way. It is better to live humble than to be humbled by God. You hear me? It is better to live humble than to be humbled by God. Second thing is this, we gotta avoid prayerlessness. We have to avoid prayerlessness. You go back a couple of weeks to my message, we have to be in continual prayer. Even after Jesus instructed him in the Garden of Gethsemane to watch and pray. Watch and pray, it says, watch and pray so that you will not, what, fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, right there willing, but the flesh is weak, and we have to draw upon the Spirit to make sure that we're watching and praying that we don't fall in trouble. Peter just had this, Peter and the other disciples had a false sense of security that everything was gonna be okay that night. They had no idea what was coming, and Jesus had been telling them for years what was gonna happen that night, and they missed the whole thing. They had a false sense of security was taking them down the road they shouldn't be going down. Peter had to learn this lesson the hard way. The definition of wisdom, some of you heard me talk about this, the definition of wisdom is looking at the stupid things other people don't do and don't do them. That's the definition of wisdom. Let's look at Peter tonight and look at the lesson Peter had to learn the hard way, not listening to Jesus, and don't do that. Take advice from Peter, because I'm not sure what you'll do with this. You may be just like Peter and walk out of this room and forget everything God's told you tonight and go right back into your sinful ways if you're doing that tomorrow. I don't know the answer to that, but I know you don't have to. I know you don't have to. The other thing is we've got to avoid following God at a distance. This is such a critical thing. Peter was following Jesus that night, yes? You would think, good for him, right? He's following Christ. How can that be bad, Dan? Watch. He's following at a distance to begin with. The only problem is he wasn't supposed to be there. Because in John chapter 18, it says when Jesus was arrested, he says, I am who you're looking for, so let these guys go. Peter and John were both there that night in the courtyard. They were not supposed to be there because Jesus told the temple guards, you found who you're looking for, let my disciples go. That's a, that's a prophecy out of the book of Zechariah that said my, said my sheep will be scattered on the night the Messiah said when he gives his life over. So Peter was not supposed to be there. So like David, he was somewhere he wasn't supposed to be and because he was somewhere he wasn't supposed to be, he fell into sin. Think about this. I don't know what would happen. This is all speculation on my part, but let's say Peter did what Jesus said and they let him go and Peter didn't go follow Jesus. He wouldn't have had the opportunity to deny Christ, would he? Everything changes if we're where we're supposed to be physically and spiritually, people. The condition of your heart has to be in the right place because if it's not the right place, you're gonna get yourself in trouble. Does that make sense to you guys? So don't be like David and don't be like Peter. Be where you're supposed to be. We're supposed to listen to the Lord's and take his warning seriously. James chapter one, verse 22 says, for him who knows what to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. 
If you know what to do and you don't do it, it is sin to you, you guys. And we gotta make sure that we don't follow Jesus at a distance because we will regress in our walk. Look at me. For, I'm gonna speak for the leaders in this room. You ready? Okay, Clark, come here. Please, real quick, please. Stand right here and look that way. Just walk across the room. This is how close I wanna be to the Lord, right here. You understand? I don't wanna be this far away. My heart's desire is to be so close to Jesus that I'm in his shadow. The dust from the steps of his feet land on the top of my shoes. Does that make sense to you guys? That's your desire. Thanks, Clark. That should be your heart's desire to follow the Lord so close that you'll never lose sight of him. The fourth thing is this, award, avoid warming up to the enemy's fire. Temptation came to Peter when he did not expect it. See, Peter thought he could go follow Jesus around in the courtyard and everything would be fine, and all of a sudden, he's stuck exactly where Jesus warned him he was gonna be. He was somewhere he wasn't supposed to be, and temptation came when he didn't expect it, and it's gonna be the same for you. In your life, temptation will come in ambush attempts where you're not even expecting it, and all of a sudden, you're just like, what in the world happened? And I like this, I like this pattern here, and I want you guys to see something here, okay? Psalm 1 says this. It says, I got my wrong paper. Let me see what Psalm 1, I got this written down. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Watch Peter. Here's what Peter did. In the Gospels, in all four Gospels, it breaks down this way. Peter walked into the courtyard. Peter stood by the enemy's fire. And then Peter sat down at the enemy's fire. The progression is this. If you walk in the way of the wicked, don't be surprised if you fall into sin. And if you stand in a bunch of people who are in sin, you're gonna find yourself having a seat and you're gonna get comfortable. And the next thing you know, by the power of the association, you're gonna have yourself in the same spot all of your buddies are in. Does that make sense to you guys? There's a progression. He walked in, he stood there, and then he sat down and made himself at home. And that's when he got himself into trouble. The fifth thing is this. Avoid denial. And look at me. In both word and deed, your words matter, people. There's life and death in the tongue, and words matter. So in word and deed, we make sure that we do not deny Christ. This was the final step for Peter. He denied even knowing Jesus. He says, I don't even know him. He walked with him for three years. And look how quickly it happened to Peter. And again, Jesus told him it was going to. And then it says that he began to call down curses and said, I swear to them, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Think about your day, and I'm gonna give you guys a chance to talk about this in your groups. How do you deny Christ? As you live your life in school and activities and sports, are you denying the Lord? I want you to really allow God to examine your heart tonight with this. Luke tells us at that moment, you notice in the video, as soon as Peter denied him the third time, it says, Luke says, Jesus looked at Peter. Can you even imagine what that had to be like? See, because here's what I know. You do know. Because if you've gotten yourself into sin, the Lord's looked at you. And he says, really? This is what we're doing. So is Jesus looking at you? And when he looks at you, he doesn't look at you with condemnation. He looks at you with conviction. It's like, really? We're gonna do this again? So I want you guys to know that you think in your sin you're gonna get away with what you're doing. The Lord's watching He's dwelling in your heart and he's always got his eyes on you and I want you to realize that look that he gave Peter across the way was not a harsh look. He didn't look at him, look at him harshly, but he did look at him with conviction to go, <laughs> let me say it my way, told you so. Told you so. 
you get yourself in that mess, you walk with your friends who are wicked, you stand around with them in the hallway, you're gonna sit with them on a Friday and Saturday night and you're gonna find yourself in trouble and the Lord's gonna look at you like, really? Really, okay. And the good news in this is that Peter repented. He had repented for what he had done. That's where you see Peter going, he went out and he wept bitterly. That's Peter's heart because he'd realized what he had done, he sinned against God. Both King David and Peter had the idea that they sinned against God. Psalm 41 says this, or Psalm 51 says this, when um, David, when Nathan confronted David about his sin, he said, God, I have sinned against you and you alone. I'm gonna turn to you to the table right after this thought. If you keep falling into the same rhythms and the same sin, here's what I know you're not understanding. You're sinning against God. And you don't understand how heavy and how deep that is when you sin against the one who gave his life for you, died on a cross, buried in a tomb, raised from the grave and sitting at the right hand of God the Father interceding for you right now. He died for you. So when you sin, you're not just making mistakes. Your sin doesn't just impact you. You're sinning against God. And until you realize that, you'll continue to fall into those patterns. But once you realize it, It'll change everything for you because then God's grace will help you and he'll show you a way out. Turn to your tables and we'll wrap it up in a few minutes. Okay, if I can have you guys' attention back to the front of the room. As always, you guys can stay and visit a little bit, but I want to get you guys out of here, the ones that got to go. So I got a couple quick thoughts to close with, okay? My question for you tonight is where are you tonight? Turn to your bulletins, if you will, on that right-hand side of that page. Where are you tonight? If you, if you have given into temptation or fallen into sin or have backslidden, if that's you tonight, I want, I want you to know what to do. Repent and live, the Bible says. Repent and come back to the Lord. And all repentance is, is turn in a different direction. My mind is going this way into sin or I'm falling short. I turn and I go right back to where the Lord's at. I repent and give my heart right back to Christ. It's not, I'm not unsaved. I just, if I'm a Christian, I just need to go, Lord, forgive me. I've been acting like a knothead. It harms our relationship. And always remember this, sin separates me from God. That's what sin does and it brings shame, okay? So do not let anything hold you back from God's forgiveness and experience in his grace when you blow it. Listen, you guys are young and you're gonna make mistakes along the way and you'll get yourself in trouble. That's why this is such an important message for you guys to understand what it looks like to come back into the good graces of God. Not that I've lost my salvation. I don't need to be saved again. I just need to get right with God and get my heart back aligned with him. If you have someone who has backslidden in your life, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be faithful, faithful and pray for them. Let me give you this thought. One of my prayers was always this, Lord, I never want to lose faith in people. That's the desire I've had for a long time as a Christian. I never want to lose faith in people. And God extended that thought for me a few years back and he says, Dan, if you lose faith in people, you've lost faith in me doing a work in someone's heart. And I know this much, he got a hold of me, he can get a hold of anybody. Does that make sense? So I don't ever want to lose faith in people because if I do, I've lost faith in people, God doing work in someone's heart, and that's just not true. So if you have someone in your life, pray for them. And it says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit, who are walking with God, in other words, should restore that person what? Gently. Not sarcastically, not with a mean spirit, not like, listen, you, the old, turn it, you're going to turn or burn, baby, that's what you got to know. You be gentle with them, be kind with them, and walk alongside them. You just make sure you never give up on someone. You're always willing to walk alongside someone no matter what they're going through. Here's what I want to close with. I want to give you two examples. One is Judas, and I don't have time to get into this real deep, but I want to make sure to get this point across. 
One is Judas. Judas betrayed Jesus. He didn't deny him like Peter did. He betrayed him. 30 pieces of silver. I don't have time to get into the story tonight, but when, when Judas agreed with the Pharisees to turn Jesus over and have him arrested, what happened to Judas when they figured out, when he figured out what happened to Jesus, it says this. It says in, in the Bible, in the uh, book of Matthew, it says Judas was seized with remorse. Seized with remorse. See, the, here's the deal. Peter was seized with repentance. Judas was seized, uh, was seized with remorse. And the difference is this. Remorse, man, I feel bad for what happened to me. This stinks that I got busted. I hate that I did this. I can't believe I did this. Judas took the 30 pieces of silver back to the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and wanted to trade that in. Rather than going to the Lord with what happened, he went back to what he had done and tried to cover up his own mess. You'll never do that. That's remorse. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, godly sorrow leads to repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. That was Peter. He had godly sorrow for what he had done to Jesus and he knew he blew it and it was a horrible thing that he had done to him. Peter knew that. He went back to Jesus. Judas did not because Judas wanted to hide from what he had done. Listen to me very closely and I gotta close because I'm out of time. I've been doing this for a long time. And I will promise you, there are kids that are not coming to youth group tonight because they've fallen into sin. And they went and they did not come back here where they need to be and they're hiding from everything they've done and they've isolated themselves from youth group because they've fallen into sin. If you blow it and you get into sin in your life, I want you to know that this is the best place you can be. Don't you hide. Don't be like Judas and be remorseful. You be like Peter and you realized I sinned against Jesus and Jesus alone. I've sinned against God and him alone. Please, you guys, with all my heart, listen to me. When you blow it and you're going to at times, this is the first place you need to come back to. Please don't isolate yourself from youth group and church. It'll kill you. It'll destroy you spiritually and it will not do you any good. So make sure you respond like Peter with godly sorrow Repentance that leads to salvation and leads to life. Don't run and hide like Judas did and try to cover up your own mess. Come back and hang out with God because the last thing we ever want to do when we sin, we don't want to come sit on dad's lap and have a conversation with him, but it's the first place we should want to go to. So let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the truth of the scripture tonight, Lord. Praying for each student and leader and myself in this room to help us to learn lessons of what to avoid that we don't fall into that backslidden state like Peter did. But also to remember that this was not the end of Peter's story. He did not end this right here. He was restored by Jesus, walked along. Everybody knows Peter was one of the great pillars of the Christian church, of the early church, and we're grateful for that. So help us to remember that, Lord. Just That did not end Peter's story and it shouldn't end ours. We can continue to walk with you even when we fail. We can repent, turn back to you, and continue to walk with you in the direction you would have us go. Help us tonight, Lord, and help us to remember these things that you've taught us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. You are dismissed. Have a great night, everyone.